You're listening to Who Killed Misha Pavlik, a Saskatchewan RCMP-created podcast outlining the true 2006 homicide of Misha Pavlik and the ongoing investigation. This is the first episode of the three-part feature. I would like to take a moment to recognize the land on which this podcast was produced is Treaty 4 territory and homeland of the Métis. On behalf of the Saskatchewan RCMP, I offer my respect to the First Nation and Métis peoples of this land. This podcast features the voices of Saskatchewan RCMP officers directly involved in investigating the death of Misha Pavlik, as well as Misha's loved ones and other RCMP experts. We want to caution listeners that some of the information or audio may be considered disturbing or traumatic. Listener discretion is advised. My name is Mandy. I'm not a police officer, although I do work with police officers every day. Together with the RCMP Historical Case Unit South, we're going to tell you what information we can about the homicide of 19-year-old Misha that occurred in May of 2006. For 15 years, Misha's family and friends have been seeking justice for him. We want to encourage anyone with information about Misha's death or the investigation to come forward and report it to police. In Canada, the second last Monday in May is a public holiday known as Victoria Day or National Patriots Day in Quebec. In Saskatchewan, the three days encompassing Saturday, Sunday and Monday are often referred to as the May Long Weekend or simply May Long. The first long weekend after a long Saskatchewan winter is often met with people eager to enjoy the outdoors and go camping. It's on Friday, May 19, 2006, that a planned weekend-long party starts at Kanukuma, a private campground near Regina Beach on Last Mountain Lake. It begins roughly around 3 o'clock p.m. So, Kanukuma Campground was uh, an actual campground that was rented out uh, through Regina Beach Golf Club. I'm speaking with Corporal Marcus Crocker. He's the current lead for the RCMP Historical Case Unit's investigation into Misha's death. We're speaking virtually. When you think of a police officer, you may picture the uniform and badge and the equipment they carry. Corporal Crocker is wearing plain clothes. He's sitting in an office and he's surrounded by papers he frequently makes reference to. Like many of the police officers I know, he takes notes throughout our conversation. Every so often you may even hear him jotting something down. So Regina Beach is... It's about uh, 54 kilometers northwest of the city of Regina. If, if you're not from the area, you just travel down Highway 11, and it's it's a quick drive out there. Uh, and Lumsden is only about 24 kilometers to Regina Beach. And Kanukuma is just in the Regina Beach area. As you drive in Saskatchewan, it's it's uh, farmland. Uh, but as you get into the Regina Beach area, that's where the the, the water is, the, the lake... Walking up to the location of the of the grad party, you're going to go to a, a well-treated area of the campground. There would have been tents in and around that area. Uh, there would have been a fire they, they were using for light as well. It's, it wasn't a well-lit area. And yeah, and just you're walking up to like a high school party. There's a lot of people standing around and it's, it's the party uh, atmosphere. And was alcohol consumed at this party? Uh, yes, there is uh, alcohol being consumed, and uh, we're well aware of that. I had gone out there, because this was spread over all of May Long, and I think in high school it's kind of like a 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even like Monday-ish kind of thing. That's Alicia, one of Misha's friends. The perspective she brings to this project is unique. She's one of many who spent time with Misha the day before he was killed. It was, an or- it was just organized for a specific high school, and it was like a very long-standing tradition for this high school to go to this campground and have this Maylong camping party. Majority of the people out there were from Regina. Approximately, it's, there is a list that were allowed to be at the campground. They had 121 names on that list with 11 chaperones. But that evening was Sunday evening. Security had loosened the restrictions and letting uh, people kind of come in that were, weren't on the, on the list or had a, a wristband to, to be out there. So it's, it's, you know, we're thinking approximately 200 people are at, at the Kanukuma campground at some point during that evening. You know, looking back on it now, the sequence of events were slowly unraveling, like right from the get-go. He wasn't out there right away. He ended up coming out um, a little later on. Um, so I had, I was out there initially the first couple days, but then the night before he was killed, I had left. I left. My name is Lauren Pavlik, and uh, Father of Misha Pavlik. Lauren Pavlik has participated in many interviews with local news agencies over the past 15 years. He speaks with me virtually from his home and is supported throughout our discussion by his partner Karen. She isn't in frame but sits across from him at a table. Every now and again I see Lauren look up, eyes connecting with hers before he continues speaking. Do you remember at all Misha mentioning this party before it happened? Yeah, on his way there. He told me about it uh, before he left. He said, Dan, I'm going out to spend the weekend. This is something um, uh, that he had, I, oh, you know, I heard him talking to friends, friends who came over, and that he was planning on going out there. And um, it's his friends. And uh, he, I told him, you know, are you going to, is everyone is going to be safe, you know? And he said, absolutely. You know, I don't, you know, he didn't go out there with the idea of, okay, I'm, if I go there, I'm going to die, you know? I um, was thinking about that night, that particular evening. Um, I, I got the chance because he came home to change clothing that, that day. And uh, I told him, take care you know be safe and I love you and uh, I'm so grateful that I got the chance to say that Uh, not realizing that would be the last time I said that at around 9 30 p.m. on Friday May 19th a group of uninvited individuals arrive at the Kanukuma campground where graduation celebrations have begun they're not on the guest list and are turned away at the gate a group of people that came and uh, they ended up, I guess now looking back, I know these things, right? At the time, I didn't really, but they did know him um, and we had asked them to leave um, and just said like, yeah, this is not personal or anything. It's just, um, it's just for our high school. It was really weird. And I was, I was just, I stood there and Misha just kind of was like, hey, yeah, I think it's time for you guys to go. And then they, they did leave, 
and then we all continued back to the like campground everybody had different campsites there was like a main bonfire that everybody would kind of come and go from and it kind of it seemed like everything was going to be okay um the issue was is they ended up coming back on saturday may 21st 2006 the gathering at Kanukama Campground continues through the day and through the evening with no major incidents reported. The next day, on Sunday, May 21, 2006, the party continues. Historical weather data for that part of Saskatchewan tells us the temperature reached a high of 25 degrees Celsius with a low of just over 4 degrees. There's no rain and winds were at least 19 to 26 kilometers per hour. It's only around 10.30 p.m. that night that the same group of uninvited guests from Friday attend and enter the site, even though they're not on the guest list. So my last memory with Misha, remember, it's so clear. Um, the night I left, it was dark, and Misha and I were sitting on, I still don't know exactly what it was, but it was some sort of like tank-type thing that was up by the fire. And we were laughing and just having so much fun. I had asked him, as we were sitting there, I was like, you should come with me let's just go back to the city and then we can come back out um like tomorrow or the next day and then he tried to convince me to stay but i said no and then i said i would come back the next day and then i jumped in a friend's car that was kind of like passing by and um i can still just so clearly see him waving and smiling and saying bye to me as i pulled away and then I never saw him alive again. I do need to say that it is astounding to me that that was 15 years ago. Lee Rosen works in the Saskatchewan RCMP's Divisional Operational Communications Centre, or DOCC for short. I do know that I was near the beginning of my career because I'm coming up on my 16th anniversary um, in July. And so, in all honesty, pretty junior as far as a call taker in the world of RCMP dispatchers and call takers. But this night was unbelievable. Initially, Lee was approached to provide us with perspective on what it's like to work in DOCC when a major incident is unfolding. It was only after we started talking that she revealed she had been working the night Misha died. But so there would have been, I'm thinking, six to eight call takers that night and four dispatchers. Yeah. And that would be more than typical because it was May long weekend. Is that correct? That's right. The Saskatchewan RCMP DOCC is located in Regina, Saskatchewan, and serves people throughout the entire province in RCMP jurisdiction. Within DOCC are highly trained operational communication center operators. They're the voice on the other end of the line when you call 911 seeking assistance from the RCMP. They connect callers with RCMP police officer assistance, often when those callers are experiencing times of personal crises. Back then, there was almost like an island, for lack of a better term, where all the dispatchers sat. And there was four of them, and it was kind of like circle, circular tables and everyone had a different zone. The province was broken up into zones. And then the call takers were just kind of um, sitting on the outside of that. 
The RCMP DOCC began tracking the annual number of calls for service they received the year after Misha died. In 2007, the RCMP DOCC fielded 98,791 calls for service from the public. Last year, in 2020, they tripled this amount, fielding 323,168 calls for service from the public. A timeline released by the Saskatchewan RCMP states that around 11 o'clock p.m. on Sunday, May 21st, tension develops between Misha and his friends and the uninvited group of people. It was around 11.15 p.m. when Misha and a male from the uninvited group get into a verbal argument which turns physical. Bystanders intervene. Ten minutes later, around 11.25 p.m., tensions are continuing to escalate between Misha, his friends, and the group of uninvited individuals. Misha becomes involved in a second physical altercation with several of the uninvited persons. An 18-year-old friend of Misha's coming to his aid becomes involved in a secondary fight and is stabbed. Numerous other fights break out. Uh, the call was two people have been stabbed. Speaking is Corporal Marcus Crocker. So Lums and RCMP, that's their detachment area. So they would have been the first ones to respond. And EMS was also dispatched to, to attend to assist. Corporal Marcus Crocker tells me the fights end around 11.30 p.m. In the final entry of the Saskatchewan RCMP timeline of events that was released to the public, at 11.38 p.m., it's recorded that ambulance and police are called. Misha is found to be seriously injured along with his 18-year-old friend. There's an exodus of people from the campground. The amount of work, the amount of information is lightning fast from the people who are calling. They might be witnesses, they might be the victim, they might be, have been somebody involved, they might be family members, there might be other members, other officers from partner agencies, members that are being called in. It's from their mouth to our fingertips, to our headset, to our fingertips, to the dispatcher, to the supervisor, to the NCOs, to everybody. The amount of information that is um, comprehended, transferred, um, disseminated and distributed and transmitted is lightning fast. Because at the end of the day, lives are in danger. That of the public, those are involved, and let's be honest, those are the lives of our police officers. Lumsden Detachment Organic Control. I have a priority call for service for you when you're ready to copy. 10-4 Control, Alpha 4 5, go ahead. Lumsden Detachment, please start making your way. There was actually eight uh, eight calls, or eight people had called, so there's multiple calls, um, but eight people had called, uh, you know, EMS and, and police to show up, and it was, it was a stabbing. You know, some of the calls were someone was stabbed, um, and then there was calls of two people had been stabbed. One of the calls actually is someone who's with Misha and they're performing CPR over that 911 call. I don't remember how the initial call came in, but we knew that something had gone terribly uh, wrong very quickly. 10 4 control, you can put me 10 17. 10 Alpha 405, I've got you on route. There were so many partner agencies that were involved in this as well. I took the call from um, one of Misha's friends. 
in that instance, you in a nanosecond have to draw on all of your communication skills, both professionally and personally. And by that, I mean, I can't imagine what this young man was witnessing and the terror and the emotion and the everything that he, the trauma that he was witnessing. I have to maintain control and get what I need and try and get control of him so I can get paramedics to him safely, so I can get police officers to him safely because it was a moving crime scene in some ways when we look at it from a professional standpoint. So we have to have our game face on as soon as that critical incident starts happening, we have to be ready for everything. Whether you're a call taker or a dispatcher, doesn't matter. It's go time. And we have to hit the ground running and to be ready for that. So it was unlike any other call I had ever taken on my career up until that point. And it is one I have never forgotten. I remember the trauma in his voice and what he was describing. And I knew what my police officers were going to be dealing with when they got on scene. Info, you can mark Alpha 40523. 10 for Alpha 405. 10 codes can mean different things for different agencies and can even vary across police agencies. 1023 for the Saskatchewan RCMP means arrived on scene. Lumsden RCMP was the first to arrive on scene, and then Regina EMS would have been the secondary units to arrive. Those were the initial responding people to the scene. Yeah, so the police are coming up to, to a, a, a campground. So it's a well-treated area, low lighting. You have people leaving and getting to vehicles and trying to drive away. Um, you have people who are yelling and screaming, heavily intoxicated, emotional. You have, you know, two people who are, who are injured, seriously injured, that need medical attention. And you have a crime scene. So lots is happening in the, you know, minutes of them arriving to the scene. They were first greeted at the, the gates of Kanukamau with uh, a gentleman who had been stabbed by the name of Derek Enns. And they were dealing with him. Uh, people are leaving the party, and then they have to enter into the, the Kanukuma campground where they do find people performing CPR on, on Misha. The next steps would have been trying to uh, secure the scene, get as many uh, witness information as possible, names and phone numbers, just trying to control the, the scene itself. It's, it, it's now a crime scene, so we're trying to preserve any evidence that's at that, at that crime scene. We're about to hear from Lauren Pavlik, Misha's dad. It was kind of like it just another weekend, Saturday night uh, or Sunday, whatever it was. And um, uh, went to bed reasonably early. And um, one thing I must say, this may sound weird. I had kind of a, we had the deck at the back of our house and I went out that night uh, I was still smoking back then <clears throat> went out for a smoke <clears throat> and I looked up at the sky and I thought "Ooh, it looks weird like really weird uh, really cloudy and dark and 
moving clouds and stuff. And I just, oh, it's weird. Anyways, ran into the house and uh, went to bed as per usual. And and uh, but then got a phone call in the middle of my sleep. It's Sunday night. It's eleven. You know, eleven thirty-eight. So the major crime member, I think, was I believe was called around twelve thirty in the morning. So they would be at home. They would be sleeping in their bed. Their phone would ring. So they would get up, and now they're being updated on someone had passed away, involved in a in a in- incident at the grad party. Someone was on their way to the hospital for surgery. So a major crime member would have been taking notes, accurate notes, uh, times, information that's being provided to that person. Currently right now, I'm Staff Sergeant Tim Schwartz. I'm with the manager of the Employee Wellbeing Services for F Division. I've got 20 years, 20 and a half years of service with the RCMP, and it would have been in September of 2005, I was transferred as a constable into the Regina Major Crime Unit. Staff Sergeant Schwartz explains he was on call through the 2006 Main Long Weekend as part of the rotational duties within the RCMP Major Crime Unit South at the time. Well, I think whenever you're on call, you're, you're, I don't think we ever get uh, full good night's sleep just anticipating that phone call. And, and normally if we're going to get a phone call, it's because something quite serious has happened. We have probably an NCO on the other line looking for some direction and some support. An NCO is a non-commissioned officer or someone who is in charge of a specific RCMP detachment or unit. They are usually at the rank of corporals, sergeant, or staff sergeant. An OIC is an officer in charge. You may hear these references during interviews. To provide for their members or to what, what do they do next. So, so certainly at, you know, just after midnight, you know, there may have been a couple hours of sleep that I would have had in. It definitely wakes you up very quickly. You certainly have to kind of clear any cobwebs that you may feel. You definitely do need to stay alert and uh, to what's being said and, uh, and the direction. You definitely have to be calm so that you can provide clear direction back to the NCO that you are speaking to or maybe the member on scene. And again, get them to repeat back what's being said so that we're clear and uh, there's been no missive communication. Although Staff Sergeant Schwartz no longer works in the unit, he took time to review his 15-year-old notes and answered questions with what he could remember from that night and the following days. I recall early morning, just after midnight, uh, about 12.10, receiving a, a phone call basically saying I've got limited information, but it appears that there had been uh, an incident out at the Kanukama Beach where we have potentially uh, a couple fatalities. And then about uh, 20 minutes later, but prior to that, I did start making some phone calls to say, you know what, uh, get up. We probably have something out in the Lumsden detachment area to, to attend to. Phones were ringing in other parts of Regina too, specifically in Misha's dad's house. I got a phone call in the middle of my sleep from a young woman who was almost his, well, she was on the verge of hysterics and uh, saying, Misha's been hurt. He's, there was a big fight. Um, somebody was stabbed and Misha was stabbed. And, and uh, it was like surreal, a sense of, it wasn't real. Like I was trying to get it in my mind what is being said here and who's saying it? And I, to be honest with you, I had a hard time 
understanding that individual because in the background there was hollering and screaming and all kinds of stuff. I think uh, kids that were out there, young people that were out there, were horrified by what happened. And uh, yeah, it. Uh, she said she called back. That didn't happen. So I knew right away there's something major going on. This is the end of the first episode of Who Killed Misha Pavlik. There are two more episodes in the Saskatchewan RCMP created three-part feature. You can listen to the podcast in its entirety on the Saskatchewan RCMP website. If you want to report the information you have about this investigation, you can contact your local police service. You can also report anonymously through Crime Stoppers by calling 1-800-222-8477 or report the information you have online at sascrimestoppers.com.